Welcome to the Daily Boogie. there welcome thanks for joining us friday night what an absolute pleasure to be with you hope you settled in we have much to get through grab yourself a beverage preferably a rum Rum will be fine, thank you. Welcome to Friday night. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am Boogie Bubba. I am your host, hopefully for the next hour or so, in the lead up to... In the pre-pirate era here on the Daily Boogie Show. Thanks so much for joining us. What an absolute pleasure to be with you. Hope you had a lovely day. Hope you've had a lovely week. Hope you've been busy going about paying your taxes. It's important to pay your taxes because somewhere, just remember, when you're paying your taxes, when you're earning money, when you're shoveling money into the coffers of the government, just remember that there is somebody down the road who doesn't want to work, who needs that cash more than you do. Don't be selfish. You've got yourself a house, a car, a couple of kids, a husband or wife. You've got everything you need. So all of that extra money, make sure you ship it off to the government post haste because there is somebody in need. Somebody else needs their day off. Somebody else needs to spend the day watching Ellen and The View and CNN. It's very important that you provide a lifestyle option for these people. So thanks for joining us. Yes, welcome to Friday night, the pre-Friday, the pre-pirate pre-show, the Rumpa Room. Hopefully we can have a little bit of fun. Tee you guys up for what's coming at 11.30pm with Chris Mack at ChrisMC44 and the guy who provides the best 15-minute data downloads on the interwebs, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, that being James R at RealPerson, P-L-T-C-S. Got plenty to get through. By the way, just a quick reminder, if you want to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to send some rum or taxes my way, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. And if anybody would like to get on the show, if you'd like to call in, have a little chat over a cup of tea or perhaps a spiced rum cocktail, then you can do so by joining the Discord the link is on my timeline on Twitter. You can join the Discord and then jump in the waiting room on the Discord and we'll bring you right on the show to have a little chat. So, we've only got about an hour, so let's make the most of it, shall we, and kick it off the way we like to with this. Now you face the Shredder. Let's do the Shredder. Got a fun little article for you here to break down the way we like to on the shredder. Understanding the Trump doctrine, trade-based bullying. <laughs> bullying. Trade-based bullying. Oh, let's go back. And crude imperialism. Trump is no isolationist. He wants the US to dominate the globe and everyone else to grovel. It won't end 
well. This is from one of our personal favorites here on the show, Salon. The Mercurial Salon. According to the New York Times, Donald Trump has never visited Normandy before the Normandy beaches before Thursday's commemoration of the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings. What a fucking communist. What a fucking communist. He's obviously a Nazi. You know, only Nazis don't go to Normandy in their entire life at some point. Obviously a Nazi. Ooh. That's a little disconcerting. <laughs> wow. Let's bring... <laughs> I don't know what the hell happened there. I guess Salon doesn't like me reading their articles. That's all right. We'll get it right back. Not to worry. Where is that article? What a welcome start to the show that was. Holy cow. Okay, let's try this again, shall we? Goodness gracious. Okay, there he is. Yes, only Nazis, only fascists don't go to Normandy at some point in their entire life. So Donald Trump is obviously, it's confirmed. Nazism confirmed from Donald Trump. Thanks for coming. According to the New York Times, Donald Trump has never visited Normandy. Thanks for subscribing. Before Thursday's commemoration of the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings. And he responded with what they characterized as almost childlike wonder. The following comment illustrates that fact. Let's have a look at what Trumpy's got to say for himself. This was a very special day and I want to thank you for inviting me. This was something that was... Uh, we read about it all our lives, Normandy. And there was, uh, there were those that say it was the most important ever, not just at that time, but ever. And to be a part of it and to uh, have number 75, 75 years was very, very special. So uh, we very much appreciate it. We met some great. Obviously, very inappropriate. How inappropriate from Donald Trump? The childlike wonder. Like a child walking around Disneyland for the first time, you might say. Or a small child eagerly anticipating opening their first present on Christmas morning. So was Donald Trump in childlike wonder on the beaches of Normandy, where blood, death and destruction are the norm for the environment. Despite Trump's claim to have read about Normandy, it's pretty clear that he learned everything he knows about the battle from the speech he had woodenly delivered at the ceremony earlier that morning. It wasn't a bad speech since Trump was able to get through it without ad-libbing something stupid. It came off all right. It was all right. It was all right. Very, very generous from the people of Salon, by the way. I think we should give them a round of applause. Donald Trump's speech was all right. Well done. Well done. Of course... Uh, when it comes to analysing Donald Trump's speeches, the good people at Salon are very objective and unbiased and straight down the line. They're not afraid of giving praise when they think it's necessary to do so, as I will clearly demonstrate for you here. But those who actually knew something about D-Day and the alliance that came together at great sacrifice to make it happen, it was a melancholy moment. Trump paid tepid lip service to the Allies, but mostly related stories of US soldiers' bravery and talked about America being great. Yes, he should have he should have spoken more about countries other than America. 
This is obviously where he got it wrong in his speech. As the American president, it's incumbent on him to wash and, you know, lavish praise on other people in the room, such as Emmanuel Macron. For, in- for example, the French did so well in World War II, they lost to the Nazis and then installed a pro-Nazi leadership known as the Vichy. So he probably should have given a little praise to the Vichy French, saying, well, thank you for holding up the fort. I know it was it was probably difficult to be friends with that Hitler guy, but, you know, they said he was a little temperamental. But I think you did a good job. Good job, everybody. Good job. As the Times put it, it fell to President Emmanuel Macron of France to defend the post-war international order. <laughs> Somebody's got to defend the post-war international order. The post-war international order is doing so well. How could people not defend it? I mean, look, you've got the UN. They're kicking goals left, right and centre. The EU has never been more popular. Somebody had to defend the post-war international order. I guess it had to be Emmanuel Macron. Trump's speech writers were trying to make his worldview fit the moment. It didn't work as none of Trump's speeches have worked. Not one. Donald Trump has... <laughs> According to Salon, Donald Trump has never given one single speech that works. Uh, I could be rather crude and shallow and say that must be objectively false considering he is the fucking president. So he did get elected. He did win the election, right? So obviously, at least to some people out there, say half of the country to the tune of 60 plus million people, at least one of his speeches must have worked. Surely. Just one. Can you give him one? No, none of them. All awful. Every single speech he's ever given has never worked. (laughs) Because Trump's worldview is crude and disjointed, they have never been able to adequately define a Trump doctrine, at least in a way that would be palatable to the public. He's completely unpalatable. Everybody hates him. But he does have one. Way back in the spring of 2016, Trump gave a wide-ranging interview to the New York Times on foreign policy. I don't think many people read it, or if they did, they didn't take it seriously. I wrote about it here on Salon because it sent chills down my spine, and it was already clear there was a realistic chance this man could become president. By that time, everybody knew about his love of torture. (laughs) Big torture guy. Big torture guy. Donald Trump. Uh, loves golf, loves gold, loves marble, loves buildings, loves women, loves grabbing pussy, and loves torture. Wouldn't that be one hell of a Tinder profile? And bombing and seizing resources from countries we had liberated. Yet, for some reason, perhaps because he was using the old isolationist slogan, America first, and he lied about having been against the war in Iraq, people thought he was some kind of humble nationalist looking to withdraw from global obligations and bring all that money home to focus on hard-working Americans for a change. When Trump says he wants to make America great again, he is thinking of his childhood in the post-World War II years. This is one of my... This is something that I have a lot of wonderment in when it comes to reading these articles from places like Salon, Slate, Huffington Post, CNN, MSNBC. These people have... And they should be, they should be applauded for this talent... It's almost like they are X-Men with their ability to delve deep into Donald Trump's psyche and relay to you exactly what the man is thinking. 
They know the innermost thoughts and fears and desires and dreams of Donald Trump. They tell you. No, when when he says make America great again, he is thinking of his childhood in the post-World War II years. Obviously. Obviously. And I know this because my name is Madam Stardust. And from my tent here at Salon, I can peer into this crystal ball and delve deep into the brain of Donald Trump. And when it's not populated with bikini models backstage at a Miss America pageant, it is indeed spent, you know, rekindling nostalgic memories of skipping down the road, playing some stickball in New York, running out the mafia in the building industry. Donald Trump's post-World War II childhood. It's tremendous stuff. And it's a great it's a great talent that these people have. They should be applauded for it. Since he has no sense of history and no knowledge of how that came to pass, he believes that the post-war world order was created by other countries seeking to exploit the United States. He does not understand that having finally learned the terrible lessons from the mess left behind after the uneasy peace of World War I, the US later led the way in creating institutions that would encourage interdependency and trust among its allies and trading partners so nothing like that could ever happen again. It's almost as if the pre-Donald Trump world doesn't exist, isn't it? There is a reason that Donald Trump got elected. You cannot say that all of these post-war you know, interdependencies and these different institutions are doing so well when at the same time in the most powerful country on earth people elect a man that distinctly and specifically stands against those institutions if you elect a president that runs on a platform of tearing down the global institutions and interdependency we're going to get to the spin in a minute here break that down for you but if you elect a guy in the most powerful country on earth that's running against the UN, running against the EU, running against the trade corporations and stuff like that, right? Then you cannot say that these things are working so well and everybody loves them and everything that he says is wrong and so off the mark and you don't even realize it. The very election of the guy disproves the premise because if it was working so well and if everybody did love it, they would never have elected the guy who stood against it. Do you see? Now, I love this term, creating the America led the way in creating institutions that would encourage interdependency. Another way of saying that would be that the leaders of America and other countries around the Western world actively and proactively signed over their manufacturing and other, um, other sectors to countries in the third world. And if you want to read it for yourself, go on to go on to the Google Go onto the Google and find yourself a document called the Lima Declaration. The Lima Declaration. And if you can stomach reading the management speak for the, you know, couple of hundred pages or whatever it is, you will be able to see that the whole point was the UN was taking resources and manpower and manufacturing abilities from the United States and other industrialized nations taking them to the third world with the selling this was sold as, you know, it's going to be a lot cheaper for the, com uh, the companies that make these items, these widgets, and it's going to boost the economies of the third world whilst bringing down the economies of the industrialized world to make it a quote-unquote more level playing field, right? So this was actively done. This was done on purpose. The deindustrialization of the West. The manufacturing sectors were 
deliberately sent out to third world nations in the post-World War II era. Like starting around the 1960s and the 1970s more specifically. In his lifetime, this is the article, he's seen the rest of the world rebuild and prosper and doesn't understand that that was always the plan. They're admitting it. They're admitting it. But of course, they rub it, they they massage it and cover it in this language. Instead of saying the United States signed over its manufacturing and industry to the third world in order to boost their economies at the expense of the United States, they say instead, you've got to have your filter on, we created institutions that would encourage interdependency. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is PR speak for selling your own country down the river. That's how you make it palatable. Same thing, but slightly, you know, slightly massaged and slightly spun to make it appear as something good. Something you want. That's the whole, that's the whole game here. And he doesn't seem to recognize that the U.S. got tremendously richer and more powerful at the same time. He believes the world owes America for money for helping it rebuild itself. He has said that in dozens of different ways, from hectoring the Allies to complaining that Iraq hasn't paid us back for invading them and wrecking their country. There you have it. Donald Trump's doctrine, ladies and gentlemen. Understanding the Trump doctrine, trade-based bullying and crude imperialism. Because when you're going for the best possible deal in a trade negotiation, one might say that that is clever you know, statesmanship. One might say that is business acumen. Another might say he's just a big meanie. Ladies and gentlemen, that was... Now you face the Shredder. Shred that shit up. Speaking of trade deals, ladies and gentlemen, something I've said on this show previously, and let's talk about the D-class for a second here. So the D-class hasn't happened, or at least hasn't happened yet. And at the time of it, at the time when John Solomon first broke that story, I said to my comrade on Trust and Verify, James, that um, Donald Trump does have a tendency to make threats and then not necessarily follow through on the threats. Now, I can expand on that because a lot of people got angry. What are you saying that for? Because, of course, if you're not 100% over-the-top lavishing praise on your preferred politicians at all times, then I must be a communist, you see. So, But putting that to one side, what I mean by that is it's a negotiation tactic. You push the boundary out, you make a threat in order to bring somebody to the table. And then you can relax the threat and come a little bit closer to what they want. It's a way to force somebody closer to what you want, as opposed to running to what they want. And if you're running the most powerful country on earth, and you have all of these tools at your disposal, like trade, leverage and whatnot, of course you use them. You're mad not to use them. You would be derelict in your duty not to use them. So of course he uses them. And I suspect this is what was happening with the tariff threat with Mexico. And a couple of people got in touch and said, this is horrible. You can't do tariffs. A couple of the, a few of the Republicans were saying it too. Oh, no, no, no. Put a stop to this. We can't have this. You can't have tariffs. You can't put tariffs on Mexico. That's disgusting. The economy will tank. So I suspect... It was mission accomplished when, within minutes of Donald Trump announcing the tariffs, minutes, 
count the minutes, uh, the Mexican government was on the blower right into the White House. Oh, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, can we please have a talk? Can we please sit down and have a little chat? There's no need to go this far. We are willing to work with you on the immigration problem now. We have seen, we have seen the light. We are open to negotiation, just like that, within minutes. Mexico deploys military to curb migration, reportedly offers major concessions as Trump tariffs boom. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Putting the threat out there of trade tariffs, suddenly, all of a sudden, the Mexicans want to stop the immigration problem. What a fucking miracle. (laughs) With just days to go until the Trump administration is set to impose punishing tariffs on Mexico, unless the country halts the unprecedented flow of illegal immigrants across the southern border, numerous signs that Mexico could uh, capitulate emerged Thursday, but it remained unclear Friday morning whether their efforts would satisfy the White House. Reports in the evening indicated that Mexico's negotiators with Washington have offered to immediately deploy 6,000 National Guard troops. <laughs> yeah, my, my Spanish accent sounds Russian. That's my general accent for people other than Brits, uh, Americans, and Australians. So that just falls into the general accent category. So it doesn't matter if you're from Mexico, from Russia, from China. It doesn't matter. You all get the same accent. Mr. Trump! <laughs> I would like you to say hello to Mr. Wong, the Chinese dignitary. Oh, hello, Mr. Trump. And over here we have Mr. Rodriguez from the Mexican government. Hello, Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump, Vladimir Putin's on the phone. Hello, Mr. Trump. (laughs) You see how this goes. I like to keep it simple. Reports in the evening indicated that Mexico's negotiators were with Washington have offered to immediately deploy 6,000 National Guard troops to the border with Guatemala. Additionally, Mexico has reportedly agreed to a major overhaul of reasonable asylum protocols. Lovely. Which would in- require asylum applicants to seek permanent refuge in the first country they arrive in after fleeing their home countries. In other words, the definition of a refugee. Bravo. Bravo. All it took, all it took was a threat of crippling the Mexican economy for them to actually do what the UN states they should do. That being assigning refugee or asylum seeker status to people when, if they land in the first country after they flee their home country. That is literally the definition. If you leave your first country as an asylum seeker, the very next stop, bang, that's where you apply. You don't get to wander through you don't, you don't get to wander through with your backpack taking selfies on the road to southern Texas in order to claim asylum at the, at, the, at the country where you feel more comfortable. It doesn't work that way. So well done. And again, all it took was the awful President Donald Trump who is stupid and ignorant and doesn't know anything about foreign policy or trade or how to deal with these other countries because he's an idiot, right? And a Nazi. Don't forget, he's also a Nazi. Uh, All it took was one comment from him to change the entire paradigm, swing it around right on its head. Let's have a look. We're discussions this morning, more scheduled discussions for this afternoon as the Mexican Foreign Minister Marcelo Abrard has just left the State Department. He says he thinks he'll return later today. He says he thinks the talks are advancing and that he might come back to talk about a few more points with U.S. officials here. They are trying to reach an agreement on uh, migrants that are showing up at the southern U.S. border. The president says without a deal, the U.S. is going... Uh, 
I don't, even Fox News does it. Uh, they're not migrants. They're not migrants. Where's, where's your paperwork? Where's your visa? That's what makes you a migrant. Paperwork, visa, official documentation. Basically a pass. Have you got, have you got your bus pass? If you've got a hall pass, then you're a migrant. If you don't have that stuff, you are not a migrant. You are something else. Going to hit Mexico and imports, all Mexican imports with tariffs starting on Monday. There is bipartisan concern and opposition to the <laughs> idea of more tariffs, though the president says Republicans need to get on board with his strategy. When you're the piggy bank that everybody steals and robs from and they deceive you and they've like they've been doing for 25 years, tariffs are a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful word if you know how to use them properly. <laughs> Republicans should love what I'm doing. But isn't this Congress's fault for not yes. passing asylum reform? So why yes. are, why does it seem like Mexico's bearing well, because the brunt? It's their fault also because they're letting millions of people walk up through their country and they shouldn't let anybody walk up through their country. Yeah, it's, it's it's so easy to see why the political class hate him, isn't it? And see, like this kind of commentary, and I'm not blowing smoke up up Donald Trump's ass. If I think he does something wrong, I t I'll tell you. But I think this speaks to why he's so effective. That being, the way he presented that there has been said in bars and around dinner tables and offices for the last 20 years. Average normal people would say, yeah, but it's Mexico's fault too because they're letting millions of these fuckers up, up through the, you know, up through their country to come to the United States, right? So he says it in that way and when he speaks in this way and just cuts through all of the rhetorical nonsense that would otherwise occur because another politician in this interview setting might have to say something like, well, it's a very complicated issue and it's very complex and we are negotiating constantly with the, we want to work with the Mexican government We've had very productive talks. Um, it's not right to assign blame because there are push and pull factors when it comes to migration and peoples are migrating all around the world constantly. And this is a global problem. It's not a local problem. So you know, blah, 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 blah. Right? So people's eyes glaze over. But he just cuts through all of the BS and says, no, nah, it's their fault too because they're letting them through. And then all of a sudden heads explode because what he, what he does best i think more than anything he shows how ridiculously ineffective the rest of the political class have been for these issues that have been bubbling along it doesn't matter if it's trade or immigration whatever it is they've been bubbling along for the last 10 20 30 years and they can't fix anything they can't even get close to fixing it. they can't even announce the problem articulately they can't even say what the problem is and he just comes in there and makes them all look stupid makes it look like they've been sitting on their hands for the last 30 years. So it's no, it's little wonder that they hate him so much. He does have a problem with women, though. Why Trump keeps calling women nasty? Why does Donald Trump keep calling women nasty? The president called Nancy Pelosi a nasty, vindictive, horrible person after a Fox News interviewer on Thursday brought up a Politico report about Pelosi telling Democrats pushing for impeachment that she'd rather see Trump in prison. A Pelosi spokeswoman said she could not confirm the comment. What do you mean could not confirm the comment? Doesn't the videotape confirm the comment? <laughs> we have to put into the report, we, we couldn't confirm the comment. Didn't everybody see the comment? 
With 61 House members now calling for impeachment, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has told her caucus she does not want to see the president impeached. She wants to see him in jail. NBC News now has confirmed that during a Tuesday meeting... There you go. There it is. It's confirmed now. You can adjust your reporting, CNN. It has been confirmed. Just like... Is this thing on? Is this thing on? Can you hear me in the back? CNN, are you listening? Can you hear that? It's been confirmed. Just letting you know. Just letting you know so you can stay on top of the news. Stay on top of the news cycle. Because you're real news reporting facts. <laughs> Trump also lobbed the nasty epithet earlier this month in an interview with the British tabloid The Sun in which he asked about he was asked about comments of the Duchess of Essex, uh, Sussex, Meghan Markle, had made in 2016 to TV host Larry Wilmore calling Trump misogynistic. I didn't know that she was na- that she was nasty. Trump said, "I hope she is okay." <laughs> we are by now used to the president's name calling. It is unpresidential and gauche. I didn't. I don't think they're used to the president's name calling at all. Do you? It seems like whenever he calls somebody a name, they go into you know conniption fit all over again, every single time. You can't, on the one hand, say that you're used to the president's name calling, and then on the other hand, carry on like a like a banshee whenever he calls somebody a name. It's like it's like the video we played. We did uh, sour lemons. I don't know, maybe a month ago. And on the one hand, he says, you know, I don't care what the president says. His insults, they just they just right off my shoulder. It's water off a duck's back. I don't pay any attention to Donald Trump when he insults me. And then I played a clip of. Don Lemon specifically addressing Donald Trump insulting him for 10 minutes on his own show. They just make it up from one day to the next. I don't care if Donald Trump insults me. Coming up after the break, a 10-minute rebuttal to Donald Trump's insult. Just like just like that. It's like it's like the logical part of their brains has snapped. And I don't know if it can be fixed. It's it's like trying to ask a, you know, a paraplegic to get up out of their wheelchair and start doing ballet. It's like, I, I can't. My legs don't work. The logical part of their brain just doesn't work anymore. I don't care about Donald Trump. We don't care about Donald Trump's insults. We're used to Donald Trump's insults. Here's a whole article about Donald Trump's insults and how upset we are by them because we're so used to it. <laughs> you know, Trump was asked about uh, Nancy Pelosi's comments um, that he deserved to be in prison. Here's how he responded. I think she's a disgrace. Uh, I, I actually don't think she's a talented person. Uh, I've tried to be nice to her because I would have liked to. <laughs> I've tried to be nice to her. She's incapable <laughs> of doing deals. She's a nasty, vindictive, horrible person. The Mueller report came out. It was a disaster for them. What is he trying to get at here? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think he's trying to get at? Is it such a fucking mystery? <laughs> what is he really saying here, Bob? <laughs> You know, Nancy Pelosi, I think she's a very nasty woman. She's very vindictive. I don't think she's particularly talented. I've tried to be nice to her, but I think she's a very nasty woman. What What do you think he's really saying here? What do you think he's really getting at? <laughs> I'm sorry, should we play the fucking tape again? What is it that you missed? I'm pretty sure he's saying that Nancy Pelosi is nasty and vindictive and won't do deals. I'm not sure where the hidden meaning is here. I'm not sure that Donald Trump really uses hidden meetings very often. If he tells you that he thinks you're nasty and vindictive and a terrible person, I'm pretty sure that's what he means. I don't think he secretly likes Nancy Pelosi. Put it that way. <laughs> what, do, what do you think he's trying to say here, Bob? 
trying to do is I think he legitimately feels from uh, a personal standpoint yep. threatened by Nancy Pelosi. Here we, here we go again. These people have an innate talent to delve into the psyche of the president and tell you what he's thinking and what he's feeling. It's fucking incredible. <laughs> how, do, how do I get this talent? How many years at liberal arts college do I have to study in order to, you know, accurately psychoanalyze the president from afar and tell you what his feelings are? There's no need for a couch. There's no need for a couch or anything like that. Just play the clip. I'll tell you what he's thinking. I'll tell you what he's feeling. Ding! Okay, I've got it. I've got it. Uh, he feels genuinely hurt by Nancy Pelosi. Bravo! Real news, ladies and gentlemen. Real news. Just a quick reminder. If you want to uh, tell us what you're thinking and what you're feeling, rather than me try to guess what you're thinking and feeling, although I can do that if you want. But if I get it right, you have to give me a, a stuffed teddy bear. Okay. But if you want to tell us what you're thinking and feeling about all this, feel free. Jump on the Discord, jump in the waiting room, and we'll get you right on the show. Lickety split. Lickety split. It would be nice to be able to ignore this sophomoric behavior at this point in this presidency, but it's critical that we never become numb to it. To do so would be to ignore the consequences it carries for women. A misogynist can't be expected to acknowledge discrimination and abuse, much less fight for leaders and legislation that would protect women from it, and the country must demand better. Yes, if you call a woman nasty, ladies and gentlemen, you are effectively, you are effectively saying that you are in favour of abusing and discriminating against women, full stop. You see how this works? You think, nah, you think Nancy Pelosi is a nasty woman? Well, you may as well walk out your front door right now and beat a woman to death on the street. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. You think Meghan Markle uh, said a nasty thing? Well, you, may, you better go right into your kitchen right now and beat your wife senseless to a pulp. It's the exact same thing. I'm, I'm glad that we've had this educating moment together now. Call one woman nasty? Be a domestic abuser. Same thing. You're in favour of it. You love domestic abuse. Why? Because you don't like Nancy Pelosi. You see how this works? Um, the, the really sad part for many people was the fact that Donald Trump gave this announcement of nastiness whilst sitting there with the backdrop of uh, the gravestones at Normandy, right? The crosses. And this was very offensive to many people in the corporate press. Namely, my personal favorite, Morning Joe. Let's have a look. Several House committee leaders. Speaker Pelosi said, quote, I don't want to see him impeached. I want to see him in prison. Politico first reported those comments and that Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler reportedly pressed Pelosi to allow his panel to launch an impeachment inquiry. Clearly Kev, uh, clever in the chat says, maybe Chris Cuomo can get at it. We've got Chris Cuomo coming up. You'll be pleased to know. But the speaker stood firm, reiterating that she is not open to the idea of impeaching Trump at this time. While yes. Politico did not characterize the full context. I don't want to go over old ground, but for new listeners and for my Democrat comrades, I would urge I would urge the Democrat comrades, please push for impeachment. If you want to guarantee the re-election of President Trump uh, in 2020, you would absolutely push for impeachment. There are 70 plus seats, <clears throat> 70 plus House seats, which are purple, which are held by very small margins that the Democrats hold currently. And if you push for impeachment in those purple moderate districts, 
they are going to lose those seats and lose the House in 18 months' time. Nancy Pelosi, for all of her failings, for all of her jittery, dribbling, drooling, fear-mongering, she has been around far too long and is far too politically savvy to move for impeachment at this time because she knows that she would lose the House in 2020. Full stop. You'll find the people pushing for impeachment are the people that have no stake in those moderate districts. So it's people from very, very, very blue districts that are that have no threat of losing their seat with very high margins. So they can call for impeachment. They can be reckless like that and it doesn't matter because they're not going to get voted out. But the people that hold moderate seats with very small margins, the last thing they want is the Democrat leadership pushing for impeachment because they know they're off the gravy train at that point. They will get booted out. The Republicans will lose the House and they will hand the White House back to Donald Trump in 2020 without a shadow of a doubt. The same thing happened to Bill Clinton. And I'm pretty sure that Nancy Pelosi was around for Bill Clinton. She might have been around for Abraham Lincoln. I'm not sure. But she was definitely around for Bill Clinton. So she knows the way it's going to go if they push for impeachment. She's not that dumb. Or tone of Pelosi's comment, a congressional aide who was in the room tells NBC News her remark was consistent with her position that Trump needs to be removed electorally in 2020. Yesterday, Fox News asked President Trump about Speaker Pelosi's comment about wanting to see him in jail. Here is the president's response. I think she's a disgrace. Uh, I I actually don't think she's a talented person. Uh, I've tried to be nice to her because I would have liked to have gotten some deals done. She's incapable of doing deals. She's a nasty, vindictive, horrible person. Remember, remember, guys, just a reminder. If you call Nancy Pelosi a nasty, vindictive, horrible woman, you are effectively beating your wife to a pulp and putting her in the hospital. It is the exact same thing, according to CNN. Calling Nancy Pelosi a nasty woman is the same as beating and raping and abusing women and being in favor of doing so. Just to let you know. Just just so you know where you're at, so you can adjust your behavior accordingly. Can I ask Nancy, why is her district a drug needles all over the place? It's the most disgusting thing, what she's allowed to have like with needles, with drug addicts, with people living in the middle of the streets, with people living on the sidewalk. You can't go. She ought to focus on that because she's a disaster. And she made a statement. <laughs> it was a horrible when you were Once he gets on a roll, even Laura's like, Laura's getting told in her earpiece right now by the producer, hey, try to pull him up because this is just going a little too far. Once he gets on a roll, there's no stopping him. It started off with nasty and vindictive. Next thing you know, we're talking about needles and shithole and there's people everywhere and it's disgusting. She's a failure. She's a joke. (laughs) Laura's like, okay. Okay, Mr. President. I was hoping to interview Nancy at some point in my future career. So let's just just pull the brakes on that one, please, Mr. President. Overseas. Vicious statement while I'm overseas. Now, if I made any statement about anybody, it would be like a big head. Why would he do that when he's overseas? She did it when she is a, a terrible person. And I'll tell you, her name, it's Nervous Nancy because she's a nervous wreck. <laughs> and there was more in that interview with Fox News at the American Military Cemetery in Normandy with the backdrop oh. of rows of headstones of oh. U.S. servicemen killed during the liberation. He may as well be pissing on the gravestones. There it is. How could he say these horrible things about how could... I'm going to give you my morning, Joe, now. How could he say these horrible things about a woman who has dedicated 35 years of her life in service to this country 
in front of people who made the ultimate sacrifice for this nation and freedom, how could he do something like that? You know, I, I'm just, I'm never shocked by how low this president goes. It's awful. Of France, 75 years. Mika, Mika, I'm disgusted. I, I feel like I have to go outside, have a cup of coffee. Mika, Mika, you take over now. Okay, sweetheart. Mika, it's disgusting. Years ago. They thought their good friend Bobby Mueller was going to be Bobby Mueller. Report, and he came out with a report with 13 horrible, angry Democrats who were totally biased against me. Do you mind if he testifies still before you said he didn't care? I, Mueller I, testifies. Let me, let me he made such a fool out of himself the last time she... Because what people don't report is the letter he had to do to straighten out his testimony, because his testimony was wrong. But Nancy Pelosi, I call her nervous Nancy. Nancy Pelosi doesn't talk about it. Nancy Pelosi's a disaster, okay? She's a disaster. I will tell you, the more successful we become, the more angry people like Nancy Pelosi, who don't have what it takes, the opponent, who shouldn't have even been allowed to run, you know, she happens to be a crooked person, so her name was very appropriate. <laughs> Brian Chuck Schumer, who's a disaster, by the way, he's a Everybody's total political, a disaster. You know, jerk. Jeremy Bash, there's a pretty easy way to handle those questions. Look at the Chiron. Those. Trump lobs political barbs on sacred ground. How dare he? How dare he? It was akin to jumping in a bulldozer and running right over the top of the graveyard. This orange menace, Agent Orange, on the hallowed grounds of our fallen heroes, lobbing these disgusting political barbs at his opponents back home. He's an awful man. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's terrible. How could you? Mr. President, how could you, sir? headstones behind you and that it's i'm not going to talk about that i'm not going to talk now. about that when we get back home there'll be plenty of time for yeah. politics but today yeah. is about the men who served and laid yeah. behind me yeah totally <laughs> undignified action <laughs> i'm not going to talk about that <laughs> it's the same logical brokenness all over again you know donald trump likes to insult me left right and center but i don't even care what donald trump says i i have no i have no interest in donald trump's insults Coming up after the break, 10 minutes about Donald Trump insulting me. And, you know, we play the clips. We talk about the hallowed turf and the, and the sacred ground. Oh, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to let this guy talk about it instead. Oh, it was disgusting. Thank you. I think it, it besmirches the besmirched. honor and dignity of the moment of that place. Of to be fair, it is nice to see the word besmirched being brought back into popular vernacular, isn't it? The occasion of, of remembering what happened 75 years ago. And the thing about the president's speech, Willie, is yep. as much as we appreciate the words, the thing that I thought when I mm. heard it was that it's a total repudiation uh -huh. of the Trump foreign policy. Right. Uh -huh. The Trump foreign policy has been to enable and embolden yep. autocrats, tyrants, the populist, <laughs> neo-nationalist movement sweeping <laughs> Europe. Uh, and in fact, D-Day, I think, in some ways commemorates the exact opposite, which oh, you is don't say. the unification of the United States, our trans Atlantic allies to push back against tyranny and to stand up for freedom. Yeah, well done. Well done. Like Donald Trump's, he's a fascist, he's a neo-nationalist, and he actually loves Adolf Hitler. So it's the exact opposite of what Normandy is all about. Fantastic analysis there. Um, let's just go to one of our other favorites here, Brooke Baldwin. She wants you to. She wants you to stay nasty, America. Nasty. 
nasty woman. Nasty. That is the latest insult from President Trump hurled at the Speaker <laughs> of the House, Nancy Pelosi. People oh, like how many Nancy times Pelosi are we going to say it? It is the adjective of choice. Remember, he hates all women. Nasty. Apparently, it is... Nasty. <laughs> I think she just likes saying nasty. <laughs> Ooh, you're a nasty girl. <laughs> the adjective of choice for this president in describing men, uh, but in particular in women. In particular women. Nancy Pelosi, Meghan Markle, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, April Ryan, Carmen Cruz, Hillary Clinton. Watch. Ah, oh, well, good. Line, line them all up for me, Brooke. I've forgotten about all this. Well, she was probably very nasty. A little bit of a nasty wit. The same thing with April Ryan. Thanks for joining us, Karen. Good to see you again. I mean, you talk about somebody that's a loser. She doesn't know what the hell she's doing. My (laughs) Social Security payroll contribution will go up, as will Donald's, assuming he can't figure out how to get out of it. Uh, But what we want to do is to replenish the Social Security Trust Fund. (laughs) Yep, this nastiness goes all the way back to the campaign trail. Does it really? How tremendously intelligent. Um, Here's the thing, though. Welcome to equality, I guess. No, 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 no. You aren't allowed to stand on a pedestal and run for high office and proclaim yourself to be just as equal as men and then not take the insults and barbs and political to and fro that men would deliver. You cannot stand there and say he's a fascist, he's a Nazi, he's a racist, he's a horrible person and then faint and fall on the floor when he calls you a nasty woman in return. It, no, it's not, it's not going to stand up. It's not going to work. He can't, on the one hand, be obsessed by surrounding himself with beautiful women and at the same time hate women, right? It doesn't work. The logical part of your brain is broken and we need to fix you. The programming is failing. There is an error in the coding lines somewhere. It doesn't work anymore. Oh, because he called Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi a nasty woman? Why, that must mean that he hates all women. Like, does anybody honestly believe this shit? Ever? Anywhere? Does anybody anywhere actually believe this nonsense? So he he loves women so much that he just can't help but grab them on the genitalia whenever he's in their vicinity. But he also hates them at the same time because he thinks they're all nasty. Right. Right, 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 right. But you know what women did? What? They started a movement. Oh, good. A rallying cry. Great. They made t-shirts. Another another movement. More t-shirts on the way. That'll fix it. Women made t-shirts. <laughs> Wait, isn't that a little sexist? Isn't that a little sexist? What, women were knitting in response to Donald Trump and his misogyny? Well, okay. I mean, they could have been baking cakes or something, to be fair. But all right, we'll take a shirt. They created a nasty woman tour really? at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. They even started a Wikipedia page. Look it up. They even started a Wikipedia page. Like, hold the phone. Woo, this is getting red hot now. Beware, Trump supporters. Beware, supporters of this evil misogynist. The war is not over. In fact, the war has only just begun. For we have created a t-shirt and we have started a Wikipedia page. Oh my goodness. In response to Donald Trump's horrible misogyny, his hatred of women, calling them all nasty. He's practically a domestic abuser at this point. I'm not sure if you're aware or not. But 
In response to this, we've started a movement. What's that movement? Glad you asked. We got together with the finest designers and the finest women with the skills of a god when it comes to handicraft. And they have made a whole bunch of t-shirts that we're going to sell. We also put one in the museum. It looks tremendous. Not to mention the Wikipedia page, which took Doreen over here almost all day to complete. Well done. Tremendous work, ladies. It's, 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 I feel like one of those, you know, those war era films like, you can do it. And here are the ladies manning the printing press. Good work, girls. Make sure you hold down the fort until our boys come back home. You know. Here's Ethel making a t-shirt. Well done, Ethel. That'll show those sexists. Nasty woman. Listen, Nasty. Trump's a businessman, so it makes sense that he would use the same word over and over. He's trying to brand them. Mm. He is hoping it sticks. Trying. Whether it is speaking think he, up. I think but, he but has. You know what? I actually think he's scared of them. Scared of some of the female reporters at the... <laughs> he's terrified. This is always the way they go too, isn't it? Whenever Donald Trump comes out and says, nah, you know what, he's a nasty... This is the other thing too, another logical bone being broken here. Whilst he is telling them that I don't care what you think, I think that you're horrible and nasty and a disgusting woman. Whilst he's saying this openly, he's not hiding it. He's saying it openly on the news. Whilst he's saying, he's saying he's doing that because he's terrified of them. Now, if you're a logical, rational person, you might think that being terrified of female politician rage would then mean that you would have to pander to them. Like, say, a uh, Eric Swalwell, for example, who every interview he gives says to the interviewer how his worth and his intelligence and his experience is subservient to not only women, but uh, African-Americans, Latinos, LGBT people, all of these other people have more right to lead than he does. And he explains that in every single interview that he gives. You know, when it comes to these kinds of issues with immigration and minorities and the LGBT community, I'm going to defer those decisions to people who have that lived experience because I myself, I can't speak for that. Now, someone might say that that shows cowardice in the face of tricky questions. But no, in this upside down clown world, if you are completely carefree when slamming your opponent and calling them nasty, that is akin to being terrified of them and not being willing to face them. It's the same thing in clown world. If you are too afraid and cowardly to make any kind of statements about any area of you know modern society because you're afraid of offending anybody, that proves how strong, what a strong leader you are, right? Upside down clown world. Let's go to, uh, who is this? Lawrence O'Donnell, ladies and gentlemen. On D-Day. Trump's vocabulary is and always has been the size of his mind, which is to say, very, very small. <laughs> Trump's vocabulary is the size of his mind, that is to say, very, very small. But again, he's the president, right? He's pretty fucking smarter than you, brother. <laughs> smarter than you. When you were up there saying there's no possible chance, he can never win, he's not going to get in, there's no possible, there's no, there's no alternate reality in the universe or the collection of universes where Donald Trump could possibly become president of the United States. 
and Mr. High IQ fucking professor over here, he got it wrong. <laughs> but he's obviously smarter than Donald Trump, of course. It takes a small man Stop to produce the, the kind of angry and hateful tweets that uh, Donald Trump does at all hours of the day and yes. night, including from Air Force One, yep. using government paid for telecommunications. And that small man <laughs> is always limited to that. <laughs> really? <laughs> we really going to stick the guy for. <laughs> we really going to stick the guy for using taxpayer funded phones now? <laughs> I mean, do we even dare point out that he's not allowed to use his own phone because it has to be cleared with uh, Secret Service and, you know, the intelligence officials and all that kind of shit to make sure that it's solid? Are we even, should we even bother pointing that out? <laughs> how, could, how could he tweet such horrible things from, I might add, a telephone he doesn't pay for? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> how could you? He's literally wasting three cents every single time of your money. He doesn't pay his taxes. He doesn't care. He gives tax cuts to the rich. And on top of all that, he's taking three cents out of your dinner packet every single day with these disgusting tweets. How could you, Donald? Wasting government money, tweeting. Very, very small. Not to mention the electricity bill, which which is high because he has to charge the phone. Am I right? Am I right? Using your electricity vocabulary of his and that's why he said yesterday in London that he was never a fan of the Vietnam War that's the way his tiny vocabulary expresses his likes and dislikes he's either a fan or not a fan he actually has no idea that wars do not have fans he has no idea that war is hell and that though some people might be proud of their military service during war they are not fans of the war they had to fight I don't know. I don't know. To be fair, um, I would I would very humbly suggest that companies like Halliburton, for example, uh, that make instruments of warfare would be fans of war, to be fair. Like, just putting that on the table. You know those same companies that got rich after guys like this and other people in the corporate pe- uh, press pushed for months and months and months to invade places like Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, stay there. I mean, you're not allowed to bring the people home. You must stay there making the arms manufacturers rich, um, I think it's a little bit, I think it's perhaps a little bit inaccurate to say nobody's a fan of war. Arguably, the companies that get rich thanks to the corporate press pushing constantly for war overseas, sending American sons and daughters to die in foreign shitholes for the last 25 years, arguably they would be very big fans of war, I would humbly suggest. Donald Trump said more about the Vietnam War and why he avoided service in the Vietnam War yesterday. And I'll have more to say about what Donald Trump Captain said. Captain Much more right after this break. Because that is something Trump's just do not do. Donald Trump's grandfather, Friedrich, did not do his mandatory military oh. service when he was living in Bavaria. <laughs> when he- We're, dig- we're digging up great great grandfather Friedrich now. <laughs> Friedrich is laying in a coffin somewhere in Bavaria going, what the hell did I do? Why are you bringing me into this? I have nothing to do with this. <laughs> poor great uncle, poor great grandfather Friedrich. 
you know, Donald Trump's always, Donald Trump's never been a fan of war. Donald Trump has always tried to avoid conflict and he didn't go to Vietnam. I mean, he comes from a long line of war avoiders. Take his great-grandfather Friedrich, for example. Friedrich didn't even want to fight for the Germans. Uh, pardon? Pardon? Pardon me? Are you talking to me? Herr O'Donnell, this is ridiculous. <laughs> what, what in the world did I do here? What does this have to do with me? <laughs> he tried to return to Bavaria after he obtained American citizenship. Right. He was ordered to leave the kingdom of Bavaria in uh -huh. 1905 or be deported. And unfortunately for history, uh -huh. he returned to the United States. <laughs> unfortunately for history. If only great-grandfather Friedrich had have stayed in Bavaria... This whole Donald Trump tragedy could have been averted. Donald Trump would now be wearing lederhosen, eating sausages, and drinking wonderful uh, Viti Bavarian beers in the beer halls. But unfortunately, now he is the president of the United States. Oh, oh, cruel twist of fate. Why do you mock us here in the modern world? Great-grandfather Friedrich. I will have my revenge. <laughs> Chris Cuomo, let's get at it. Let's keep this train rolling with Chris Cuomo. And you got to make a call. Enough with the talk. Do your duty. That is your duty. reason to be. That is the point of your existence. Our Constitution makes it clear. Yep. The House of Representatives shall choose their speaker and other officers and shall okay. have the sole power of impeachment. Okay. Sole power means what it sounds like. This is up to you. Uh, no one else. Yep. No other body. No. That's what the Constitution's about. Checks right. and balances. Sure. They either function yep. or they don't. Cool. It is time to stop acting out of fear of uh. consequence and act on good conscience. <laughs> stop acting out of fear. Stop acting out of fear. Act on good conscience. You know, see, the, the, the sad reality of this is if the Democrats did push for impeachment, ladies and gentlemen, and would in the resulting melee, like, lose the House and guarantee another four years for Donald Trump in the White House, five will get you ten. You can bet your bottom dollar that all of these same jokers on all of these TV shows would be saying what a horrible decision it was for the Democrats to push for impeachment and they should have been smarter instead of being ruled by their emotions. See, right now they're being told, don't try to be smart here. Go with your gut. Go with, go with what feels good. Don't, don't be fearful. Don't worry about the consequences. Push for impeachment. Go with your feelings. Look inside yourself. Look inside yourself, Sith Pelosi. Lord Pelosi. Let the hate flow through you. Rule, be ruled by your anger. Feel the anger. It's time to impeach. Impeach the president. Lord Pelosi. But if she did move to impeach and the Democrats get their fucking asses kicked in 2020, lose the House and lose the White House, then all of a sudden Chris Cuomo would be up here going, well, where did it all go wrong? First of all, the Democrats should have been smarter. They should have known that if they pushed for impeachment that this could have happened. <laughs> Five will get you ten. Bet your bottom dollar. Um, I've just been told that Pirate Radio, the start for Pirate Radio is going a little bit late. So I think they'll be ready to roll in maybe five or ten minutes time. So 
as soon as I get the all clear from Jimbo, Jimbo, the flying Hawaiian, um, I'll get out of the way and set you up for pirate radio. Biden world shell-shocked amid hide furor. The care they need and the ability to, con- to exercise their constitutionally protected right. If I believe health care is a right as I do, I can no longer support an amendment that makes that right dependent on someone's zip code. I was interested to read that he got this hot tip from none other than Alyssa Milano. And so I'm sure that moderate Democrats around the country in preparation for 2020 are very pleased that Alyssa Milano is now writing policy for the Democratic presidential hopefuls. Isn't, isn't, doesn't that just warm your heart? Doesn't that just make you feel all nice and warm and gooey on the inside? Alyssa Milano, she's surely qualified. I mean, she was on Who's the Boss? A show that was very sexist because the boss was obviously Tony Dancer. Of course. Of course. No discussion needed there. So she was she was a TV star for a number of years. Well, star, quote unquote. You get you know what I mean. She was on TV. Let's put it that way. She was on TV for a number of years. And she has since become a Twitter activist. Great. That's all the qualifications you need. Um, Mr. Biden, can I set up a meeting? Can I set up a meeting? Are you a doctor? Joe Biden believes you should be a slave to the state. I'm not a doctor. Not anymore, anyway. Not ever since all of those unfortunate deaths, but that's a story for another time. 2020 Democratic frontrunner Joe Biden is trying to recover from the biggest stumble of his presidential campaign so far, a U-turn on the abortion-related Hyde Amendment. I guess we should be thankful that this was the biggest stumble instead of stumbling into a woman and groping her under her shirt inappropriately and smelling her hair. (sighs) Yeah, that's the stuff. (laughs) I wonder when Alyssa Milano went into Joe Biden's office, actually, how she was greeted. Alyssa, Alyssa, come over here for a moment, would you? What do you want to talk about? Abortion. Yeah, that's fine, sweetheart. Just sit down here for a moment. I've just, I've got to go around the back of the chair. I just want to make, okay, just don't move. Stay still. Alyssa, stay completely still. <sighs> yes. So, what is it you wanted to talk to me about? It all happened really fast, one Biden ally said. The central issue is the former vice president's long-standing but now abandoned support for the amendment, which prohibits the use of federal money for abortion services. One big effect of the Hyde Amendment is a significant limitation on abortions for Medicaid recipients. <clears throat> Just to tack on to the back of this story, I found this interesting. Let's play a couple of minutes of this and I'll tell you why. Friday, June 7th. I'm Jamal Simmons. Let's get right to it. <laughs> Smitty, in the, back- Smitty in the chat. She's too old for Joe. <laughs> back in the news lately with a controversy among Democrats Savage. about federal funding for low-income women and several new laws in red states that place large restrictions on access to abortion. Those laws seem to be part of a larger effort stemming from President Trump's recent success at putting conservative justices on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. With the court somewhat more conservative than before, many abortion opponents think now is the time to push for the highest court to revisit Roe v. Wade, the landmark 1973 Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion nationwide. Okay, let's get to the crux here. Uh, a majority of voters in a new poll say the Supreme Court... Supreme Court. The Supreme Court... <laughs> There's that generic accent slipping in again. Yes, this is the Supreme Court. 
uh, say the Supreme Court should not revisit the Roe v. Wade decision that legalised abortion nationwide. The new Hill-Harris X poll found that 56% of uh, registered voters see the 1974 decision as a settled matter and do not want the court to review the issue. But this is why it's interesting. This is what I think is interesting anyway. Look at the breakdown here of the ages. So in 65 plus age bracket, they are most likely to say that we don't want to revisit the Roe v. Wade issue. It should be settled, settled law. But look at the look at the young ones, 18 to 34. It's actually the younger generation that are most wanting to revisit Roe v. Wade and not the older generation. I would have thought that would be the other way around, wouldn't you? Because you would think, you know, before you see something like that, I'm, I'm astounded that they even printed this because it shatters a lot of narratives in one graphic. You know, grab that graphic. I tweeted out this story before. Grab that graphic and send it around. Because I would have thought it would have been the older generation who, you know, like more, uh, say, old-fashioned values, not in a demeaning way, but, you know, more old-fashioned values that would be most against, pardon me, uh, Roe v. Wade and would want to see it um, revisited in the Supreme Court. But it's actually the younger, it's the kids that want to do it. They're most in favour of seeing this dealt with in the Supreme Court one more time. Which goes against all of the narratives that you're presented in the corporate press. That being that young people, it's all young people at the rallies and young people are taking control and they want to, Donald Trump can't tell me what I do with my body. Right? Oh, the young people don't agree. It's so old fashioned to be against abortion. The young people don't agree. The young people want, you know, liberation from the government telling them what they can and can't do with their bodies. Garbage. It's actually the old hippies that are most in favour of that kind of stuff. The young people are almost split 50-50 on the issue. Right? And who would have thought that? Who would have thought that? So I was very surprised. And it should be encouragement, I, I think. You know, the, the abortion thing is something that I don't really get into. Um, it is messy. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily for me a discussion about whether you are for or against abortion per se. I don't even think that that's the main issue. I think the main issue, the main source of anger for people is the fact that they have to pay for it, I think. I think that's the main concern here. So, you know, but I, I, again, it's such a big issue and I've only got about two minutes left before I have to get out of the way. So it's not worth delving into just yet. But I just wanted to say, you know, just a few words of encouragement for people. If you are on the side of repealing Roe v. Wade, then you should at least be buoyed by the fact that it's the younger people who you would think would be most against it, who are actually most in favor of it. And that's something that would frighten the shit out of the Democrats. Because the Democrats like to pretend like they have a a steel grip, a vice-like grip on the minds of the young. They are their unthinking soldiers who march to the, the beat of their drum and do whatever they are told when it comes to political activism. Yet a poll like that would suggest very much that the opposite is true. And perhaps that would be a shock to the Democrats. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us. I'm going to get out of the way of Pirate Radio, and if you want to watch Pirate Radio, you can do so by following our friends Chris Mack at ChrisMC44. 
the illustrious evergreen host of Pirate Radio. Don't forget his comrade, his first mate, James R., the guy who delivers the best 15-minute data downloads on the interwebs. You can follow him at RealPersonPLTCS. This has been the Daily Boogie. I am Boogie Bumper. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to abort me from all of this conversation anyway, then just get it over with. Rip it off like a Band-Aid and follow me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Until next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. everyone have a good night enjoy pirate radio <laughs> ducks region it's great comment Babies are so cool, I totally understand why migrants steal them. (laughs) Thanks, Neil. UK Neil's a good follow as well if you want to keep up with Brexit and what's happening in Europe. Follow UK Neil. Thanks, Nat. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for hanging out. Pirate Radio coming up. Thanks, Key Wizard. I'll see you all on Sunday night with James at TAV Show next time. And then the Daily Boogie after next week should be back to full full steam ahead four days a week. Can't wait. All right, guys. I'll see you in the chat room. Have a great night. Have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye.